praise his name and to worship him. We're delighted that you are with us this morning. And if you are a guest, we especially want to welcome you. We're so glad that you are here to be with us. And we ask that you would uh, take that tab out of the offering plate and, uh, I mean, take that tab out of your bulletin, fill it out, and uh, place it in the offering plate. And uh, we would love to get in contact with you and let you know uh, what God is doing here at Mechanicsville Baptist. So we welcome you, and uh, again, what a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, if y'all could bear with me just a few minutes, I have a lot of announcements uh, to give, just to clarify a few things. Um, so uh, bear with me just a moment. If you want to uh, look at the back of your bulletin, you'll see the different opportunities of the week, and um, <clears throat> you'll notice that at 6 o'clock tonight, we have Caritas. Uh, and we have a covered dish supper. Um, it's going to be a church-wide picnic, and we will do that with the Caritas members. Uh, we would ask that you would bring a covered dish. Uh, if you could make enough for your family and one guest, uh, that would be great. We will provide hot dogs and hamburgers. Uh, but again, come out tonight, 6 o'clock for Caritas. Um, it'll be a church-wide picnic. It'll be a great time. So we would love to have you out there. Uh, we have 32 men this time, and uh, we also have some needs for people to serve. Uh, Carla and Rose let me know about this this morning. Uh, we still need uh, helpers for two mornings for breakfast. We need helpers for four nights of security, and we need helpers for three days of cleanup crew. So I'll repeat that one last time. We need some people to help uh, two mornings for breakfast four nights for security, and three days for cleanup crew. If you can help, that would be wonderful. Again, we, this is a great ministry that we do here at this church, and uh, we really need your help and assistance with that. So if you can help with, with us uh, in that, please go to the Family Life Center after service and sign up on the bulletin board. We would greatly uh, appreciate that. Uh, also, just want to let you know, um, I'm sure most of you have already heard, but uh, a longtime member of our church, a uh, very dear man, uh, Bill Williams, passed away uh, last week, and um, his funeral will be this Tuesday. Visitation will be from 10 to 10.45 in the John Bryant room, and then we will come up here for the funeral at 11 o'clock, and uh, we will have a lunch in the Family Life Center immediately following and that brings me to my next point on this. If you are making food for Caritas or for the funeral, uh, the, the kitchen uh, has asked that you would label uh, that and distinguish that. Either label it Caritas or label it funeral to let them know uh, what that is for and what purpose it is serving. Uh, they would greatly appreciate that. And they have asked that you put it in a disposable bowl or a disposable dish. Um, also, just wanted to make you aware of the roofing project, which will start after Caritas ends. So next Sunday, uh, Worship One will be in here at 8.30. Just want to make you aware of that. Um, for those of you who come every once in a while to the first service, uh, that service will be in here because they need to move their equipment and uh, instruments, and it's just a lot to have to uh, do that back and forth. So they're just going to bring it all over here starting next week, and for the next few weeks, Worship One will be uh, in this sanctuary. Tim has um, 
written an informative article in the Touchstone about the roofing project and what is going on with that. Uh, so uh, just look at your Touchstone that you got from this week. Uh, he has written an article on that. If you have any questions or if you have uh, other concerns, feel free to come talk to me at the end of the service. I'll try to answer your questions. Uh, Sunday school classes may have to be moved and adjusted in the next few weeks as we are doing this project. Uh, we will notify you all, give you an email, um, and let you all know what is going on uh, in plenty of time uh, to let you know about Sunday school classes and how we're working that. Uh, the reason that we don't have that all set out is because we're uh, having to go by what the contractors have done and what they are, uh, what they are doing, um, and that's just based on their timing. So if changes happen, we will let you know. And I appreciate your patience with me. I think that is all the announcements that I have. Uh, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for worship this morning.
Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. My grandmother said a quote this week that I that just stuck with me, and she said, where sin is great, grace is that much more prevailing. And thank God that we live in a world where God is on the throne and his grace continues to prevail. Amen? Amen. May that strengthen your heart this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for grace, and we thank you that it is amazing grace, that it is a sweet sound to the human ear and the human heart, that it saves us, and that all of us once were lost, but now we have been found by your grace, because, Lord, you have called us to your throne of grace, for Jesus sits at your right hand. May we lift high the name of Jesus today. May we glorify you. May we proclaim how great you truly are through our singing, through our listening, and through our worship. And may our lives reflect, Father, how great you are. May we bear your image. May we glorify you. We love you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together about the greatness of God. Would you turn to hymn number 10? And let's stand as we sing, How Great Thou Art.
if you would keep your hymnal in hand and turn to number 674, praise and adoration. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound in everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Amen. That last verse of the responsive reading leads us well into this next hymn, 249. Let's stand together as we glorify the name of Jesus.
How's everybody? Well, we, you got a real treat coming up because uh, I was here in the first service. Uh, Dr. Upton's sermon was inspiring. I want everybody here to, uh, to, to uh, hang in there and listen to that. It's an awesome, awesome sermon. So let's, let's go to the Lord and blessing here. So Lord God, take these offerings and tithes that we send you, multiply its value throughout your kingdom to do your will and to make the world more your palace. Amen.
Well, to reiterate what Sam said, you all are in for a real treat. We have Dr. John Upton today to be with us. Uh, He's been with us before to preach, um, and he is the executive director of the Virginia Baptist Mission Board and the immediate past president of the Baptist World Alliance, and uh, he and his wife, Deborah, have three grown children, and uh, you all will know him better because uh, 24 years ago, is that right? He was uh, furloughing in the Alpha House uh, from being a missionary in Asia, correct? And uh, he stayed in the Alpha House with us and uh, was a part of this church at that time. And uh, again, Sam is right. He, uh, he just uh, brought the word this morning, and I'm excited to hear him again. He touched my heart, and I'm excited to uh, get touched again, John. So uh, welcome, and we are so delighted that uh, you could be here with us. Uh, Tim is in Madison Heights doing an 125th uh, homecoming anniversary for that church. So he will be back uh, next Sunday. Pray for him and his safe travels back. And uh, again, uh, be in prayer for the Williams family, for Vera, for Becky, and uh, all, of the, uh, all of the family in the passing of Bill. Uh, let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, we do love you, and we come today to worship and to adore you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are in our lives, how, God, you bless us in so many wonderful, wonderful ways. We ask, God, that you would uh, speak through John this morning to each one of our hearts. May we be attentive and may we listen to what your spirit, Father, would want to say through us. You planted it on his heart this week and he's here to deliver it to us today. May you speak through him. May you touch our hearts. Thank you, Father, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for all the gifts and the blessings that you have given to this church. And Lord, may we proclaim the gospel with our lives and may we give back a blessing to you by living for the gospel. Lord, challenge us to take your word and your good news to the community of Mechanicsville and to all the world. May you use us this week as we're hosting Caritas, and may you use us to share the gospel with the people that will be coming through here. May we be a blessing to them, but most importantly, Lord, may you bless them with your word and with your love and with your good news through us. We pray that you would be with the Williams family right now in their time of grief, that God, your love and your comfort would be upon them, that they would know that Bill's certainly in a better place with you. Father, bless the rest of the service. May we give glory and honor to your name. Thank you again, God, for who you are and for your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And then I heard...
Tori, thank you for not only the gift of your song and voice, but also for the heart behind all of that. It carries us to beautiful places. Thank you for that. Let me say what a joy it is to be back at Mechanicsville Baptist Church. It's been a while since I've had the joy of being able to come back, and I thank your pastor, Tim, who's off celebrating the 125th anniversary, having a similar experience I'm having, I hope, seeing old friends and catching up on folk, and some of you grew up since I saw you last, and some of you gotten older, <laughs> and some of you said you didn't recognize me because I got older, and I'm still looking in the mirror figuring out what happened to that guy I used to see. He disappeared somewhere. But always coming back here, driving up that driveway, flood of memories. Don Ruth, for all the love you gave our family, we were gone five years, hadn't been back stateside in Asia, came back here, you took us to the Alpha House. Your loving touch was all over that house, and when Deb walked in, having not seen a Western home in five years, she just cried because of the warmth and the welcome that was in that house. Your heart was there, and boy, that heart sure enveloped us, and we say thank you. And then, Brenda, you got Richard, our middle one, to actually sing a solo. You know, that's on par with God creating the heavens and the earth. <laughs> that was a miracle of huge proportions. And to have you know, he's still singing to this day. You've created a monster, but that's another story. But it is good to be back. And to see you doing so well and to see the church in such a good place. God bless you. Uh, there are so many like our family that need what you have here. And you don't even know you have it. Uh, it's just a part of God's giftedness with you. And there are so many in this very community that, that's hungry for that. Which brings me to the text this morning. Uh, this is a tough text. And it uh, brought this to you for a purpose. It's not an easy one. When I read this, it's not going to be pleasant to hear. It's not Jesus' typical text. It's We're called to love and we're called to serve. And those sounds like such benign words that they roll off our lips. And yeah, 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 I know all that. But we forget how intensely Jesus felt about this call to love and this call to serve not only individually, but as a congregation, as Mechanicsville Baptist Church. And in the middle of this, he's going to give us a big warning. So if you have your Bibles, let me invite you to open them to Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And I'm going to read 14 to the end of this little section. And this is Parable of the Talents, and you probably are familiar with this. But listen again to the reading as I read from the New American Standard as you follow along in the translation that you might have. Matthew 25, verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more, but he, received the, but he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now, after a long time, the master of these slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. And the master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And also the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've gained two more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and he'll have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. Throw out that worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, it isn't that a warm, inspiring story to hear this morning as you've gathered for worship. Doesn't that just kind of set you back on your heels? You didn't know Jesus pulled his disciples away. This wasn't for public consumption. This was a private conversation he was having with his followers because there's a warning here that Jesus wanted to give them that was so critical. He had to pull them aside to tell them this parable. We're his followers. This morning Jesus just pulled you aside to tell you this story. Why? Well, my dad called back at the beginning of summer. My dad leads a Bible study group on Thursday morning. There's about 60, 65 regular folk who gather at a restaurant, and they get into really deep, rich discussions of Scripture, and that is my dad's favorite thing to do during the week. So dad called, and dad said, Son, I need your help. Now you need to know my dad is not the kind of guy who calls who asks for help. He'll help everybody in the world, but he will never ask for help for himself. So when he called and said, John, I, I need your help, my thought was, wow, this is the first time I've ever heard those words from my dad's lips. Dad, are you okay? Is there anything you need me to do for you? Oh, I'm fine, fine, fine. There's nothing like that. I want you to explain something to me. Well, what's that? Well, in our Bible study group, we read this story of the talents, and none of us could really get it. We felt like we were making excuses for Jesus. We were trying to explain it away, or maybe just had a bad day or something. We didn't know. All we knew was we didn't get the story. And so the class has asked me to call you to see if you can offer some insight into the story. 
I said, well, what's your problem with the story? What's my problem with the story? John, this isn't like Jesus. This is nothing like Jesus. I mean, Jesus always lifts up the little dude. He always picks the, the one that, that's the least and makes him the hero. I mean, you, you got this story of a widow who puts a little mite in an offering and she becomes a model of stewardship. You got that little tax dude, Zacchaeus. You know, the guy climbed up the tree. I said, yeah, Danny DeVito would really make a great Zacchaeus. Now, don't distract me, son. He climbed up the tree. Nobody likes to spend time with tax collectors. You want to go have dinner with the IRS? I don't know about you. I don't. Hope nobody in here works for the IRS. But, you know, it's not your first choice, right? Actually, IRS folk are pretty good. But not this guy. He was crooked. Jesus goes and has dinner with them, makes him a hero. Well, what about the Good Samaritan? Nobody wanted to be with the Good Samaritan. He's a hero. What about the prodigal son? Wastes all the money the family entrusted to him in the family will. Squandered every bit of it. He becomes a hero. What about the woman caught in the act of adultery? Caught in the act of adultery. And he still makes her the hero and shames all the religious leaders of the day by her example. John, but in this story, he takes the least and has his harshest judgment on the little guy. I don't get it. Explain that to me. Well, Dad, it's even worse than that. He takes an old story form, been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. You know, the story form, uh, once upon a time there were three servants, or once upon a time there were three sons, once upon a time there were three daughters, once upon a time there were three little pigs. And it's always the last in that story that gets it right, but not in this story. Jesus even takes that story form and turns it upside down. Yeah, explain Well, Dad, which one of those three do you identify with? I know which one I identify with. I'm the third guy. I'm not the five-talent guy. I'm not the two-talent guy. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm not a LeBron James, a Michael Jordan, Simone Bliles. I'm not a Churchill. I'm not a Mozart. I'm not a Jane Austen. I'm not any of these five-talent people. I'm not going to change the world. I'm not going to come up with grand scheme of things that's just going to change all of society or be some invention that's going to change people's lives or some great thought that's going to shake the foundations of the earth. I'm not any of those. I'm just an ordinary guy. Dad said, well, actually, I'm the third one, too. I said, Dad, you know, Jesus knew. Remember, he's telling the story to fishermen. <laughs> These are all ordinary people. He didn't call kings and pharaohs. He called fishermen and tax collectors, ordinary people. And he knew exactly what we, you and I, would do. 
He knew we would convince ourselves that we aren't going to make any difference in this world. He knew we would convince ourselves. We don't have a whole lot to contribute. We're just going to live plain, ordinary lives. And Jesus is saying there is nothing farther from the truth in the world. It will be what you ordinary followers will do or don't do that will make the difference in my kingdom work. My mission depends on what you as ordinary followers do or do not do. What those fishermen did or did not do changed the whole world. It rests on you and me, this mission. I was riding back in the car listening to NPR and Terry Gross interviewing Marion Williams, my favorite black gospel singer. She does that kind of foot stomping, hand clapping, got to get up and move kind of gospel music. And when I listen to her coming home late at night, it takes hours before I can go to sleep. My wife just sends me in the other room. Says, John, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm not talking to you right now. Go in the other room. Just kind of come back down to earth. And Mary Williams was being interviewed by Terry Gross, and, and I found myself turning the radio, the volume up. And Terry said, Miriam, how is it that a woman with such an incredible, booming, singing voice has such a soft speaking voice? And Miriam laughed and said, I don't know. It's always been that way. I've always had a soft speaking voice. But give me that singing. Well, what happens to you, Miriam, when you sing? What happens to me? Spirit of God, honey. It's the Spirit of God. Spirit of God takes a small voice like mine. Makes it big. Takes a shy person like me. Makes them brave. Takes an ordinary life like mine. And turns it into the light of the world. What happens to me? It's the Spirit of God, honey. The Spirit of God. You do know God's still in the business of taking small voices like yours and mine and making them big. He still takes people, shy people, like you and me, and gives us courage. He still takes ordinary lives like ours and literally turns it into the light of the world. It's just the Spirit of God, honey. And the story goes on. Yeah, three who have nothing. And this is where Jesus wants to bring the warning in. You have three who have nothing, and you have a master who has everything, and this master loves to do nothing more than just give and give and give and seems to be able to give whatever he wants at whatever volume he wants. He just gives in this story. And so he gives to the first a big bag of money, a second a medium-sized bag of money, and the third a smaller-sized bag of money. And he gives it in the currency of the day, which was the talent. Now, I looked up what a talent would be in U.S. dollars today, and I was shocked. I knew it was a large amount of money. I just didn't know how big. You know what one talent is equivalent to in today's currency? Over 500,000 U.S. dollars. 
So can you imagine being that first one and then walks the master and hands you a bag of two and a half million dollars? Call that a good day? Fits in my book. To the second one, it gives him a cool million dollars. To the third, 500,000. Folks, he had nothing. And when the master walked away, he had $500,000 in his hands. Pause. Jesus, why did you tell that story with the gifts being so extravagant? What's the point of that? I mean, why such a large amount of money? Then I heard it. Look in your bag. Master's given every one of you a bag and me. Look in your bag. Pull out the first thing you touch when you put your hand in the bag. You know what you'll pull out? You'll pull out your life. You didn't buy it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. Reach deeper in the bag and pull out. You know what you'll pull out? You'll pull out time. Time to live that life. You didn't deserve it. You didn't buy it. You didn't earn it. Reach deeper into the bag. You'll pull out your family. You didn't buy them. You didn't deserve them. You don't own them. They're a gift. Reach deeper. You've got a purpose to live for. You've got friends. You've got this incredible church as your community. Keep reaching into the bag. What Jesus wants you to know in this story is you are living a blessed, richly blessed life. Why are you living it otherwise? And the story goes on. First, doubles return. Second invest, doubles the return. But the third one, here's the warning, buries it. Master comes back, says to the first and second, Well done, good and faithful servants, in that you've been faithful in the least of these. I'll put you in charge of so much more. Enter into the joy of your master. And about this point, the third one's beginning to realize, oops, I got it wrong on the test. Ever been there in school? Oops. And he does exactly what you and I always do. He starts blaming. Well, I knew you to be a harsh, cruel master. I was intimidated by you. I was afraid of you. I know you scatter where you don't have any field, and I know you gather what's not yours. And he starts blaming. Church has been doing that so much in recent days. We don't have the influence we used to have. We don't have the place in society that we used to have. We don't have the numbers that we used to have. We don't have the dollars that we used to have. On and on, the excuses and the blaming goes on. That third servant sits in our pews every day right now. The master says, take what he has. Give it to the first. Throw him out. Right about now, you're probably agreeing with a third servant that this is a pretty harsh master, right? 
Careful, don't go there. What does this master do? Does he take the money? Is he interested in the money at all? He doesn't take any money. He gives it away again. He just hands it all to the first. That's not what he's interested in. All this master does in this story is to give and give and give and give. Because this God of ours loves to watch his children, his servants, invest what he's given them into the world. This master loves to watch his children move their gifts around and grow them. And the one thing this master cannot tolerate is when we bury what's been given us. And the church has retreated into itself today. And you know what we're burying when we do that? We bury the very grace of of God and rob the world of it. You better believe he's not happy about that. He did not give us our lives. He didn't give us our lives to play it safe, folk. He gave us our lives to risk for him. He didn't give us our church just to be a safe haven. He gave us our church to take faithful risk in getting back out into the world. And when we bury it and retreat, we bury his grace. And he can't take that. Boy, did I watch one church struggle with this. And in my mind, I got it right. I was in Ireland. Part of the BWA thing I was with. And I was invited to come to this church in Ireland, and I wanted to go to this church. I couldn't wait to get there. I'd heard their story, and I wanted to see it firsthand. And I got there, and I just met the folk I'd heard about. And they told me the story of how the church was in the center of Belfast. And one time was a thriving, worshiping community. But over the years, everybody had moved out, and only a handful, maybe 20, were left in the, in the church. And what had come in as everybody had moved out were all these bars and nightclubs and strip joints and all of that just surrounded the church. But it was even worse than that. On Friday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, there was nothing but wild parties going on all in that area. And the city did not prepare for the volume of people coming in to that area. And so they didn't have enough toilets. And the front yard of the church became the toilet for all those nightclubs. Can you imagine? And on Sunday morning, they had to come and form a committee to clean the church property up before they, they worshiped. Now, how'd you like to serve on that committee? As I said earlier, how'd like to serve on the committee to appoint that committee? Think that'd have been a challenge? So the deacons met. And the deacons all got together and they said, well, we got to do something about this. So they looked at the funds. They got an architect in. They decided they were going to build a wall around the property of the church. They had the money, and they had a, a decent, attractive design. So they go to the church business session. Church gathers in business session. They present the plan. It's discussed. The dollars are there. Architecture, everybody was pretty satisfied with that. And getting ready to vote, just as they were about ready to vote, the senior member of the church, Sean, when you know in Ireland, sitting in the back, raises his hand. Well, Sean, 
have something you want to say? Yes, I do. What is it? Seems to me we don't need no wall. What we need are more toilets. Why don't we build some toilets? Well, Sean, at 2 o'clock in the morning on Friday and Saturday night, who's going to clean those things? I'm not sleeping well. I'll take a 2 o'clock cleaning shift. Someone else said, I'm not sleeping well either. I'll take three. Before the business meeting was over, they, they had the whole cleaning roster full. When I worshiped with them, you know what time we worshiped? Three o'clock in the morning. There were over 300 young people in that worship service. And I asked one of the young ladies, why are you here? She said, well, I was kind of frequent attender at the bars around here. But you know, they didn't have any bathrooms, so we had to come over here. And while I was in line, that long line, there was always this older guy named Sean. And he talked to me, and he found out my mom had terminal cancer, and he'd walk with me and pray with me for my mom. And one long, I began to realize that bar wasn't where I needed to be. I needed to be here. Don't bury what God's given you. I thought about another ending to this story. I made one up myself. This is my ending, not scripture. So it's Upton at fault here. What if that third servant, instead of burying the money, what if that third servant had opened a halfway house for young women caught in the act or caught in the sex traffic thing and they were trying to get out and he provided a halfway house for them and he invested every dime he had into it but it wasn't enough and the ministry failed. Lost everything. And the master came back. Verse 2 gave their great returns, doubled the investment. The master looks at him. I'm sorry. I invested it in this halfway house that didn't work, master. I lost every dime. I have nothing left to give you. I'm so sorry. You know what I think the master would have said? Well done, good and faithful servant. And that you have been faithful in this. I'll put you in charge of so much more. Enter into the joy of your master. Folks, it's not about success. It's about investing what we've been given and not burying that good news of Jesus Christ and keeping it from the world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. They sure invested a lot of love in my family. And though that was 24 years ago, it seems like yesterday that meant so much to us. There are thousands in this very community in need of that as well. 
So, Lord, my prayer is that you'll take these small voices gathered here right now and make them big. Take these good folk, many of us just shy folk, give them courage. Take these ordinary lives and turn them into the light of the world. For I pray this in the name of him who gave us so much, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Always, when God's word is presented to us, we should take a moment and give our response. I'll ask John if he'll come stand out front as we sing hymn number 277. Take my life and let it be consecrated for thee. I hope you'll mean those words as you sing them. And if there's a rededication you need to make, please come down and speak with him. If you don't know Lord as Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you come down right now. He has a bag waiting for you, a bag of life. And if you're looking for a new church home, come be a part of this family. They're not going to bury that gift here. They're going to invest it in the society Jesus has called you to serve. What's your response as we stand and sing hymn number 277? you for being with us today and John thank you for a wonderful message uh, what a challenge uh, to all of us to take what God has given us to our world and impact this world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, and uh, one other thing I just want to say uh, it was Tori's last day leading first worship today and uh, Tori what a beautiful song thank you so much uh, I know you touched 
my heart for 22 years in this church with your singing, and uh, she's touched a lot of people with her talents uh, in that first service and leading so well, and uh, we thank you for your service and your dedication uh, to us. And um, we give God the glory for that. Uh, don't forget about Caritas tonight at 6, our uh, church-wide picnic. And um, also, again, uh, don't forget we start the roof project uh, after Caritas. Um, a couple of different things will be happening, a few changes. Uh, we, of course, will still meet here for our 11 o'clock service. That's not changing. And we will update you on changes with Sunday school classes and all those different things uh, as the time goes on. Uh, God bless you this week, and I'm going to ask uh, John to give us our benediction prayer this morning. Lord, we've gathered here, and we have worshipped, and we have worshipped well. And now, Lord, as we get ready to go, may we now go and be the church that the world needs. So now may the fellowship of the Heavenly Father and the love of the Son, and the fellowship of the 